Well, I just feel like the growth space is full of these people that are looking for like some shortcut. They think there's like some silver bullet thing or some hack or some tactic or some tool that they haven't heard about them. Welcome to Behind the Experience, where you get an inside look behind the top product-led experiences. Each week, you'll hear inspiring UX examples, proven strategies, and hard-earned lessons from the top experts around the world. This is one of your co-hosts, Ramley John, along with Lila Rizal. We're going to be interviewing those experts, and today we have Andrew Kaplan. He is the former head of growth at Wistia, as well as Postscript, and now he's the founder of a company called Delivering Value. We're going to be talking about one of his work where he was able to improve the activation rate at Wistia by over 30% using a friendly and helpful welcome video. Anyway, let's tune in and jump into this conversation. Hello. Hi, everyone. Today, we're joined by our friend, our mutual friend, Andrew Kaplan. He previously led growth at Wistia and Postscript, and now he's the, the massive brain behind Delivering Value, where he helps B2B growth leaders accelerate their careers and early-stage SaaS founders scale their business. I am a testimonial client of this man and can attest to that these things are not just marketing words. They are very, very true. Welcome, Andrew. How's it going? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you for the intro and the kind words. Uh, I'm doing fantastic. Love it. Love to have you here. Um, so we're just going to get right into it. We got so many questions to ask you. You have so much experience and we know it doesn't come for free. So let's let's get on with it. Um, how do you or how did you? How did you? We know you're, you're a man on your own now, but how did you define onboarding at Wistia and, and Postscript in the past? Yeah, it's a great question. And I still work a lot on onboarding. Now I'm just working with teams that are doing the execution versus working on the team myself or doing it in-house. And my approach is pretty similar. Like when I think about onboarding, there's a lot of stuff that people talk about, right? And AppQs is part of that. There's a lot of tools and tactics and frameworks and best practices and all kinds of different stuff. And at its core, I think about it as like, how do you deliver value to people inside of your product for the first time? And I just generally feel like that's the goal of onboarding. It's to get someone from, hey, this is the first time I'm signing in to see this thing to, oh, wow, I really get it. That's exciting. And like sometimes the outcome of that will be that they use your product and they say, hey, that's really sweet, but it's not for me. Sometimes that might be they think it's really sweet and they come back and use it again. And other times they might think it's really sweet and upgrade and become a paying customer. And so I think if that's the goal, to deliver value to people. I just feel like then you can figure out the right tools and ways to communicate in different frameworks that that will apply or not apply. But it kind of comes down to this fundamental thing of what is the person who's signing up for your product trying to do and how can you show it to them as quickly as possible? And it's funny, that's the, the name of your company now, Delivering Value. <laughs> I guess that's a double... Uh, double entendre there were, you know, delivering value to people. Also, you're very focused on onboarding there as well. Is what I'm totally. Hearing. Well, I just feel like the growth space is full of these people that are looking for like some shortcut. They think there's like some silver bullet thing or some hack or some tactic or some tool that they haven't heard about that like if you've had a little bit of experience, you've got access to. And I'm still looking for that stuff. I don't have that. My approach is really simple. I focus on the fundamentals and that's why I wanted to name my business that way. Because that's my approach. And that's kind of how I think my, like as an individual growth practitioner, how I differentiate from other folks. I run a really rigorous process to understand customers and deliver value to them in creative ways. And 
Sometimes that's by adding stuff. Sometimes it's by removing stuff, but it really comes down to understanding people at the core of it. And everything else is just a tool to help them be successful. I love that. I love that sentiment because a lot of people, you know, particularly working at somewhere like AppQs, you know, a lot of times people expect to install AppQs, install an onboarding flow and instantly deliver value, but it's a lot more complex than that. Um, you know, there's, those are the tools to help you do that, but you need to know what the mission is behind it. Totally. Well, it's like a tool like AppQs is so effective if you just understand people. If you know why they're signing up and the goal for them, you know, the goal that they have when they install your product and you know how your product can help them to be successful, it's just a matter of steering them in the right direction and keeping them focused on a core set of things and hopefully not letting them get too far off the rails and get distracted by other stuff in your app. And so a tool like AppUs is great, right? It can help people do that, but only is effective if you understand people and, and the reason why they're signing up. And so we can get more into like some actual approaches and how to figure that stuff out later. But at the crux of it, that's how I think about onboarding is figure out what people are looking to do when they sign up for your product and then show them that stuff in creative ways fast. Um, and it's just hard to do onboarding without that. You're kind of just touring people around and guessing and hoping that it works out. It totally, it totally makes sense. I love how we're going to get into that. Some of the work you did at, at Wistia to really uncover that, what that success looks like. I mean, something probably you you also get asked a lot is around like measurement and KPIs. And I know you just have a, you just put out a course plug that <laughs> you put out this course around measuring for product led, particularly for onboarding and, and no really depends on the product, but how do you help companies? How did you define, like, how did you measure onboarding success? Uh, let's say at, at Wistia or Postscript or any potentially any other companies that you, you're helping out right now? Yeah, so I think the most important metric um, when it comes to onboarding is your activation rate, right? Which is really a made up SaaS term to understand the quality of people as they come in. You know, I feel like marketers for a long time had a great way to qualify people that filled out forms on their website. They called it like a marketing qualified lead. But when somebody came into your product and they started doing stuff or not doing stuff, there really wasn't a way to understand if you should high five over this new account or if they were going to leave and like never come back. And so activation for me was a game changer. And it makes sense that that's like this big North star that you know the industry has really adopted and rallied behind. So I think that activation is really important if your company is ready. Um, I think that some companies it's too early. Like you don't know what the point is that gets people to that aha, or maybe it's, you know, your volume is so low that you don't have enough data to like figure out if it really correlates to retention and stuff like that. So I think if your company is ready, it's activation rate. And I think if you're a really early stage company, then I would think about time to value as being a good proxy just to understand, you know, is the onboarding flow accomplishing what you want in a reasonable amount of time? It's usually a little bit less noise, especially for early stage companies where like, the difference of a couple signups each month might make you think your activation rate is either really high or really low. Time to value tends to fluctuate a little bit less. So I think about those two. And ultimately, I think if you pick a good activation moment and you're delivering value relatively quickly, you should see a correlation to paid. Like in my experience, the difference in an account who activates versus doesn't activate, it's usually like four to six times more likely to convert to a paying customer. Sometimes it might be immediately, sometimes it might be a long time down the road if you're a freemium tool. Um, but those are the three things I think about, activation rate, time to value, and eventually uh, conversion to paid. That makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I think activation rate uh, in particular, people get pretty hung up on. 
they can't find something uh at one moment or it gets too convoluted um so could you maybe give some advice for people who are trying to narrow down where that value point is because i feel like even if they pivot to time to value i feel like that could be a discussion uh, in a meeting i wouldn't want to be in uh where we're all <laughs> debating what, what value right. means right so do you have any like frameworks or advice for people who are trying to figure that out so they don't end up in these camel meetings right like horses designed by committees yeah that meeting is my nightmare uh definitely don't do that what you can do if you're an early stage company this is exactly where we were at postscript the last company i was at an sms marketing tool for e-commerce brands um, i joined i was employee number 10 they had really just hit product market fit but they had just built a good product and they were early inside of shopify in this emerging like text message marketing um uh, category. And so they had had a lot of traction, but they hadn't figured out some of these fundamental things. And so when I came on as the, you know, the head of growth, it was one of my questions. And so what I did is I asked customers, we got qualitative inputs. Um, I didn't quite have enough data and I didn't have the data, like the BI tools in the stack yet to like do some deep analysis and see it's, it's like this thing that correlates to retention and purchase. This is the thing. Um, so instead what I did is I just talked to customers and I said, Hey, I'm so glad that you're here. You know, thanks for using the product. Would you mind going back in time and sharing the first time that you felt like you got value out of this tool? And I asked a decent, you know, a bunch of people, 10 to 15 people. And they all more or less said the same thing. Uh, they might've called it different things. They might've used different words, but essentially what they said is, oh, it's when I first generated revenue from the product. And in my mind, I was like, oh, that's interesting because we would have probably said it's when you did something inside of the tool. But customers, you're saying it's when you got something in return, had nothing to do with what you did. You had to do some stuff. There were milestones to get there, but really is when, you know, you set up a campaign, you sent the campaign, somebody interacted with it, and then it resulted in a sale. That's what got you hyped. And when we looked at the quantitative data, it confirmed that. So that's like a really easy way to do it. If you're an early stage company without the data infrastructure yet, just go ask people, um, I always think it's better to ask customers or users and not your internal team because your internal team is always going to say, oh, it's when someone does this or clicks that or gets here. They're so focused on the tool and customers are generally just thinking about your tool as a, you know, as a way to accomplish their goals, find out what that stuff is and how the tool, you know, participates in that process. You know, speaking of that nightmare meeting that we uh, that we want to avoid we talk to our <laughs> customers instead right which is so much better and i love that framework for thinking about that so how do you then bring that knowledge back to your teams and disseminate it like so that everybody has input into the onboarding experience and you work cross-functionally. I feel like this is also something that happens. It gets siloed in product. It gets siloed in growth. It gets siloed in sales, wherever it is. Um, so how do you work cross-functionally with people to get people uh, on board with your mission? I think it starts with more of like a philosophical standpoint, which is that I can't do it alone. That, I, that no team can. Um, and my philosophy on work is that one team should own the problem and should choose the solutions, but that where the ideas come from typically is better when it's outside of your team. Because right, you're so focused on it, you get so you know enthralled in these solutions because they're your ideas or you heard about it from someone else who was successful. So what I like to do is articulate the problem as best that I can. I want to share it with as many smart people across the company as I can and bring them in to collaborate on solutions. 
And so like more tactically, if I'm running a growth team, whether it, you know, it's at Wistia or Postscript, I would be saying, hey, you know, we're defining our activation rate as this. You know, we talk to customers. Here's why we're defining it that way. Here's background of that if you like want to dig in on that more. But this is what we're using moving forward. Now, how we get there, uh, I'm, you know, I, I want your help. And so I'm doing green light thinking. If I'm in a remote environment, I'm doing it asynchronously. If I'm in person, I'm probably inviting a cross-functional group to a whiteboard session. But what I'm trying to do is get at least one, one person from each department across the company to help me brainstorm ways that we can get more people to this activation moment. Because if you invite a product person, they're going to think of product ideas. If you invite a marketer, they're going to think about marketing channels. If you invite a customer success person, they're going to think about um, you know, help center content and maybe learning and development opportunities. You invite a salesperson, they're going to say, well, just let them talk to me. And so ideally what you want to do is get all those people to start brainstorming ideas together. And what happens in my experience is the first 10 ideas are like the most obvious ones. And then all of a sudden, after you kind of get those out of the way and people feel like they're heard and you write them down and you say, great, you know, what else do we have? Then all of a sudden something cool happens where you just start getting all these really neat outside the box thinking or people start riffing on stuff. And I just think that some magic happens there in my experience. And it doesn't happen if you don't get people from different perspectives together. So that's what I like to do. Uh, and then separately, I don't commit to anything in that meeting. Um, but what I'll do is I'll try to prioritize that afterwards and then figure out who we need to collaborate on solutions. And so for me, um, a mentor of mine, uh, y'all probably know him, Sunit Bhatt. He's the man. You probably both know Sunit. He used to always say something, I don't care if I'm right. I just want to do the right thing. And that is always how I think about it. I don't care where the ideas come from. They're usually not for me. I just want to, I just want to win. And so I'm going to prioritize the ideas and then pull in the people that we need to execute that, to, to move the needle and to help customers, like, which is what it's all about. Totally love that. It sounds like something Lila's been doing. Uh, you know, I, I shout out to, to Lila. She, she's been meeting with customer success with, um, you know, other thing. Maybe you can talk a little bit about what you're doing, Lila. So for people who are tuning in for the first time at this episode, like, you know, for people who don't know Lila's our resident, um, AppQs expert who's like doing the onboarding at an onboarding company. So super meta. <laughs> yeah. So meta. It's weird to talk about sometimes. I have to remember what I like, what I used to describe AppQs as, because a lot of people just refer to, you know, what we call uh, our flows is AppQs. So anyway, it becomes confusing. But um, yeah, I've been doing my best to, you know, I think as a company, we were already somewhat united around this, uh, having it be central to our mission. But and really trying to create more like, to your point, Andrew, like physical things that can unite us together because we are remote um, to get those ideas on paper and have them in more places to be prioritized so that more people are heard. And then also like opening up AppQ's usage more across the company. Like it's always a debate ab about a product like AppQ's. Does it belong in product? Does it belong in marketing? You know, who owns this tool? Um, and we are having those debates all the time at AppQ's, but while we're talking about it, it's like, all right, well, let's all at least agree on tactics and agree on what's most important, agree on what, you know, activation rate is and um, what, what activation moment is and things like that. And then we can kind of move forward. It doesn't really like I feel the same way. I don't care who owns it. I don't care if I'm right. I just want to keep trying things and making progress on it. So, you know, some of the things that we've done here is just like 
add additional, you know, layers of documentation to whenever we're publishing something, like add more transparency around things. And, you know, we're still trying to figure out the best ways to do that. And, you know, meeting cross-functionally, it's never easy, even for people who are experts at it. It's not easy. So I've been, I've been enjoying that. But yeah, that's my ramble. That's my ramble. <laughs> about that. I love it. It's like totally, you know, I love it, that we're, we're doing the same thing here where, you know, we're really like taking to what Sunit said, like we're doing, it's not about, can you say that again? It's not about doing the right things. It, no, I'm butchering it. <laughs> can you repeat that quote? Cause it's so, so wait, good. A credit goes to me. He would say, I don't care about being right. I just mm -hmm. want to do the right thing. There and, you go. and it just, it's like one of those things that just stands out in my mind where when I think about onboarding, so right, I said, I think about onboarding as delivering value, helping people be successful inside your product. And that's my approach. I don't care where the idea comes from. I don't care whose tool, I don't care any of that stuff. I just want to help do the right thing and help people to be successful. Um, so that, that's the quote. It. It's it's such a good quote. And it's like, I think if every if you can at least get everybody on your team who's working on onboarding with that same mindset, then it goes a lot smoother because nobody's trying to juice anything for their particular metric or whatever will make like their job easiest and becomes more about like what the customer or the user needs, which is totally why we In have my experience. It's like the person that understands that the most tends to get trusted with the best solution, right? It, it, it's like, if you inherently understand what the goal is and what's stopping people along the way, naturally you're going to come up with better solutions than someone who doesn't understand that quite as deeply. And so that's kind of how I think about my role as like a cross-functional um, you know, as someone who leads a team cross-functionally is I want to understand the problem the most and then set up a system to figure out that answer, regardless of who exactly executes it and how it works. I just want to make sure that I understand it most so I know if the solution is effective. Totally love that. Um, I want to jump into uh, some of the stuff that you worked on at Wistia. Uh, and particularly you said around like really understanding what your user success is. Uh, and I'm, for people who are tuning in, there's a screen here. As somebody signs up for Wistia. For people who don't know, Wistia is an easy way to host your video. And right on the screen, as, as soon as you sign up, it says, what is your main goal with Wistia? Uh, and you have several options here. Uh, what, you know, Making my videos look good, or using video marketing tools to grow my business, or controlling access to my videos. And there's five different options. And the last option is, is none of these. And I believe Andrew, like this is one of the you know one of the things that you worked on when you were head of growth at at Wistia. Can you talk a little bit about this, how it came about, and like what were some of the things that you saw as results or experiments that you did for for this particular thing? Yeah, I guess just to share a little bit of context, you know, I probably worked on onboarding at Wistia for like eighteen months. We did a lot of work here. Nobody really owned it when I first started. No one had thought about it in probably a few years when I was there, and they had really scaled to be this high volume business tens of thousands of people would come in the door each month. And what we realized is that once we had removed some friction in the onboarding experience and done what I would say is like some very light optimization of the flow, uh, empty states, cleaning up some of the pop-ups and things that were going on, what we realized is that there was all these different use cases. And we were kind of putting everyone down this one-size-fits-all approach. And this light bulb went off because being someone who comes from a marketing background, you wouldn't run one campaign Right? You wouldn't write one type of blog post. It's like you have all these different types of users and use cases. And in marketing, typically, if you have a conversion challenge, segmentation is a really good tool to, you know, to increase conversions. And so we said, well, it's probably 
make sense to do that inside the product? What if we just found out the different use cases when they came in and then make a slightly different experience for those use cases? Maybe that will work, right? So that was a hypothesis that we had. And so we went through this process for a few weeks of during the signup process, we put a question on the form open-ended. Would you mind, you know, thanks for signing up. We're pumped that you're here. Would you mind sharing your main goal for signing up for Wistia today? Open-ended responses. It went into a spreadsheet. It was like some hard, tough work to roll up our sleeves and organize it. But basically there was these themes that result that are the words that you see on the page here. There was a couple hundred people that answered this question and basically they all fit into these different buckets. And they were like, okay, cool. What if we put those buckets then as part of everybody's signup process, they can just choose. We know what the words are. We know how they describe it. We know what the goals are. Then what we can do is see which one of these is most important, is most likely to convert, uh, converts and has the highest LTV, maybe is the most likely to come back and use the product again. And we can prioritize customizing that experience. And so that was kind of the main hypothesis. And this is what it ended up looking like. And so this was the entry point into the product. This is essentially an interstitial page today. And when you selected one of these things, we then put you into an onboarding experience that was slightly customized to helping you with whatever goal you selected. So like if you selected the second one, the, hey, I want to use video marketing tools to grow my business, we plopped you right into the player and we showed you like our lead generation tools and how it integrates with our marketing automation tools and some of those types of things. And if you clicked, I want to control access to my videos after you upload your first video, then we get you into our password uh, controls and some of that type of stuff. And so the tools that we used to onboard people were very similar, but the experience was customized um, and that customization also uh, followed you into the email flow and even some of the sales outreach for the folks that did go into the sales team. So this was one of my favorite projects. It ended up being really impactful. I think implementing this increased activation across the board by like 5%, uh, you know, kind of once we got this set up and dialed in. And when you're talking about tens of thousands of people that are signing up each month, it was a pretty substantial increase. So uh, it was a pretty cool experience. One of the you know, holy grails, I think, up in onboarding, <laughs> right? This is like what we had, uh, whenever we show something like this, or people see this, it's just, it's, it's where people want to get to. And I just want to highlight, like the steps that you went through in order to find these goals, because I think that's really important. Like you asked people first, and then you took the information that they said and used that as your foundation. What I see a lot of people do and then wonder why this doesn't work is come up with those goals themselves based on what they assume. Like we were just talking about with, you know, activation, it's a similar thing or like what they believe the product they're designing the product for slap in a modal or an interstitial like this, have you click and then nothing changes afterwards. You know, I think it's very key that you said like the customization follows you. It's not just a button that you're clicking and you're collecting information. Yes, we are collecting information as a part of this, but you need the whole experience, at least pieces of it throughout it for it to make any difference. Otherwise you're just collecting data. You're essentially doing the like survey thing, but with much more restrictive choices. Um, totally. If you think about what that really is, before we had this model where people could self-serve and, and sign up for tools on their own, salespeople were doing this, right? If you filled out a form and you asked for a demo, the first question a good sales rep would ask is, well, what are your goals? What are you looking to do? And then instead of putting you through the same demo that everybody sees, good sales reps would say, great. Well, instead of showing you all that other stuff, let me just show you these three things first, because I think that's what you're going to be most interested in. 
And those people tended to be more successful. And that's kind of what this is, right? We're just taking information and personalizing it to help people be more successful. And if we do that, we can feel pretty good that on the flip side, we'll be successful as well. And we'll probably drive more happy users and hopefully, hopefully more customers too. Yeah, totally. And is there anything, you know, while you were setting this up or while you were reviewing the data that surprised you after getting all of this new information in, like, was there a learning that you took away that was maybe something that was wrong or something that you doubled down on being right and you walked away with the most I told you so vibes of all time? No, I mean, I'm always wrong. So for <laughs> me, uh, and look, there's a ton of iterations that we're along the way to getting to this point. We we tested like doing title, if there was any correlation with title and there was less, less correlation there. And we tried all these different approaches, um, level of seniority, size company. And for us, this model that we landed on is basically the jobs to be done model. Yeah. It was the most effective for us. And so what was interesting was, well, one, what didn't work, which was kind of, which is always part of the journey, right? It's like you get all excited about a bunch of other things and they don't work. And so you just have to kind of follow the process to find the right answer. But what was cool is that essentially there was three of those goals that correlated strongest towards activation, retention, and LTV basically. And so what we did is then we created this nice feedback loop or flywheel, I guess, with marketing and said, hey, look, these are our use cases that are the most valuable to us that make our best, happiest customers. Let's go get more. Let's make use case pages on the website so we can basically assume and, and kind of understand who they might be when they come in the door. We can attract the right people. We can run paid ad campaigns and maybe set goals uh, for each one of each one of the user goals. We can set paid ad goals to go get the algorithm to find more of those people who are the best for us. So it just unlocked all this great stuff for the business that helped the business get smarter and, and like compounded on itself. It's really cool. I totally love that. I think yeah, yeah that's um, it's great to see the the results here and you know what you you were able to achieve with this. Uh, the one of the screens that you uh, you were able to achieve. I know you wrote a whole post about this on Wistia uh, when you were doing this. Was this little video uh, of this puppy? <laughs> it says here, "Hey there, welcome to Wistia." And there's this golden retriever with a bow tie. And yeah. one of the experiments you ran here is you realize a lot of the people were watching the whole video uh, can you talk a little bit about that because there's might be a little bit of hesitation from folks to use video because you know people don't have the time to watch videos but you saw something different uh particularly with with the with the users yeah um and even just a little bit of background i feel like a lot of SaaS companies have this blank screen problem it's like you mm -hmm. sign into a tool and it's empty, right? You're, it's like looking at a Google Doc and there's just a blinking cursor with no words. And you're like, well, I don't know what to write. And it feels overwhelming. And so at a lot of SaaS companies, this problem exists. Sometimes when you're doing research to buy a new tool, you don't have the thing yet, or you don't want to enter in all of the information to set it up to understand if you might want to use it longer term. And Wistia was the same way, where sometimes people would sign up for the tool to check it out. And like their first video was being made or was six months down the road or they didn't have access to it because it was like in some file management system and they couldn't track down the creative person. And so we basically decided, why don't we make a video that someone could borrow from us to shortcut the experience of at least getting some value of the product without it just being a totally empty account where they can't really do anything. So because we're a video company and a brand focused video company, they made this fun video. It's Lenny. Uh, it's actually the dog of Chris Levine, who's the head of, I think, Wistia Studios now, but was sort of the, the core videographer and production person for a long, long time. 
Lenny's kind of the unofficial office mascot. And so this is basically a brand video. It's Lenny walking around with this old VHS tape in his mouth. And it's sort of this fun video playing off of Wistia being a new way to do video, right? The old way is no longer, the new way is to use Wistia. And so we had this and something like 30% of the people that signed up for Wistia would watch this video. They'd borrow the video from us um, because they didn't have one ready and they'd see this experience. And when we looked at the data, we, we just noticed that they didn't do much else after they saw this. And so we're like, well, that's kind of that's kind of a bummer, but that makes sense. They they don't have a video, so they're not as engaged. What are you going to do? And then one day we were just watching in full story, people engage that went through this funnel because we just were curious if there was anything that we could do to add more value here. And what we noticed is that almost every single person was clicking play and watching like 80% of the video or something outrageous like that. Like they were really watching it and they were engaged. And we said, well, that's pretty cool. But what if they could play a different video that that might provide more value than just it being fun and on brand. And so we did a, a brainstorm with a whole bunch of folks and Chris Levine said, Hey, why don't I make a video of me being the video, teaching people how the product works. If they're going to click and play it anyways, then at least they can get some more value. And so you can see, it took us a few flavors of it to get it right. But this is Chris. And basically what he does is he's like, look, if you need help with settings, you can go up. Where's up my camera here. You can go up over here. And if you want to see the lead gen tools and he, pulls across the screen and a form appears and he says, here's what it looks like. You can enter in your email there and then they can do that. And again, we saw the same percentage of people watching the video, but this time as Chris is showing you stuff in the account, their mouse is following. And so we had this like kind of goosebumps moment where he's like, oh, look up here. And literally their mouse is going up there and they're clicking on the thing in real time. And outside of it just being cool, we increased activation from this cohort by like 20% with this new iteration. And so there's little things like that, that you don't know, you don't know until you really get close to understanding the problem. And then all of a sudden ideas like this just appear. And this was one of the cool ones and definitely one of the wins for our team. I totally love that. I'm, I'm not sure, Lila, you, you have anything to add to this. This is a really, really interesting experiment. No, I just want to do it. I just want to just... <laughs> So I just wanted to steal everything and do it. I want to do it. No, it just is. It's so awesome. And, you know, not surprising in many ways. Like, it's like, kind of feels like one of those things like, oh, yeah, what a like opportunity, but you wouldn't know it was there unless you really dug in and did the full story reviews. I think that happens a lot where people we have so many assumptions about yeah. uh, what our users are doing, uh, being able to actually go back and look either through Hotjar, Full Story, AppCues, Heap, whatever your poison is. Um, it's the uh, ying to the uh, customer feedback yang, like their words and then their actions. Totally. And what's cool is I feel like this is all of a sudden everywhere. We're now all of a sudden I'm seeing all these savvy SaaS companies Savvy, that sounds that's like a tongue twister. But I'm seeing all these like really innovative SaaS companies doing this, having pre-built templates that people can use to kind of shortcut the process of, hey, I've got this blank blinking cursor problem. What should I do? Right? Like Airtable has this whole template library and Miro when you come into something very similar where they say, what kind of board do you want? Or what's your goal for signing up with Miro? And then they say, do you want to borrow a template from us? And then all of a sudden you can go from zero to like a fully built template super fast. And so I think stuff like this is really cool. And I'm just seeing more and more of it now. Totally, totally love that. Um, one of the other, so, I mean, uh, you, you've you done all this work at Wistia. You were, you're doing, you went to Postgre, and now you're helping a lot of companies do really cool stuff with, with onboarding. 
are there any kind of tactics or anything that you're really excited about? Obviously, you you know, you, you might have an NDA. You can't really explain what the company is. But are, are there anything that you're working on uh, that could be related to delivering value or any of your clients that you're super excited about uh, in, in the next few months or even this year? I've got a couple things that are super exciting. I won't say the company's names, um, but there's these two trends right now that I'm seeing in, in addition to the goals-based approach that, that we just looked at together um, that I'm seeing that I'm working with on clients. And so one is just what we were talking about, these pre-built templates, you know, ways for people to shortcut the process of getting value from their from your product and borrowing some of the experience from you. So I'm working with a company right now that's in the process of building this whole template library and it's going to have a little bit of like ai built in where there's going to be a, a template suggestion engine and they're even thinking a few steps out and they're going to build user generated templates based on customer goals and things like that so stuff like that gets me super excited I'm working with a company that's like we're in the thick of it right now we've just done the designs and now we're kind of going through the process of of trying to build it uh which is really fun and then the other thing that i'm seeing a lot of are these basically light versions of the product that are on websites. The try it before you buy it SaaS version where companies are are creating either light demo environments where you can poke around and kind of check stuff out or like my personal favorite, which is you just build a version of your product that's more lightweight and putting it on your website so that the people who are kind of on the fence or really don't, don't have a use for it right now, but just want to like sign up to check it out can still experience the product. And basically what you're doing there is you're starting onboarding before the form. And so you start building up all this momentum on the website. At some point you prompt them to like save their progress or continue inside of their account. And then your activation rate, you know, increases based on, on all that momentum and goodwill you've built up. So those are the two things that I'm, that I'm actively working on right now with customers or clients that have just got me super excited. I, I just see this evolution happening right now. It, to me, it feels like we're entering this, this like choose your own adventure flavor of PLG is this next thing coming up. And there's all these different ways for people to interact and engage with your product. And that's the stuff that gets me jazzed up. And so I'm seeing a little bit of it right now. I'm getting to work on a little bit of it and I'm all in. It's super exciting. And it means great things for us marketers because there's no shortage of job opportunities once um, <laughs> personalization journeys start to get complicated. And if that's the direction we're all going in, then I'm I'm happy about the job outlook for my fellow marketers. But um, <laughs> Andrew, you're doing so much cool stuff. Where can people um, follow you online and find you and hire you and, um, you know, read your blogs and take your course? Where can they do all that stuff? I appreciate you asking. Um, I, I post growth thoughts daily on LinkedIn. I'm just starting to dabble a little bit on Twitter, but uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn. It's Andrew Kaplan. I'm sure you'll you'll put my spelling of my name somewhere in the course notes or in the um, in the pod notes on yep. Twitter at a Kaplan, or you can check out my website deliveringvalue.co. You can you know reach out to me if you have questions. I'm starting to publish some original content on there, and I've got some digital products as well. Awesome. Well, check them out. You won't be disappointed. Trust me. I, I'm a happy customer. So um, very, very, very good insights from Andrew. Thank you so much. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate yeah, it. thanks for having me on.